You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Good morning. Uh, Why don't you take out your teaching notes from your worship guide, and if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, um, and then once you get there, just hold your place. This morning, we're continuing on with our with our kingdom series, but we're going to take a slight turn. We've spent the past three weeks um, looking at kingdom attitudes and kingdom values that Jesus declared in the introductory portion of his very first sermon, public sermon. Um, And as we've looked at those, what we realize is Jesus began this sermon with the Beatitudes. But if you continue on into that sermon about all oh, about halfway through, he, uh, he offers a teaching on prayer. Uh, and in this teaching on prayer, basically he says, uh, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus' instruction as he was teaching on prayer is that even in our prayer time, we must have a kingdom focus. You know, um, Jesus actually began his public ministry with a kingdom focus. We read in Matthew chapter 4, after he had been tested in the wilderness, that he began to preach. And when he began to preach, his message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So everything that Jesus taught Everything that Jesus modeled encompassed the reality of the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, for the past five weeks, we've been looking at these kingdom values, these kingdom attitudes, learning how we live them out as kingdom representatives. And as we do, we're bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. So today, as I said, we're going to take this slight turn today and for the next three weekends, we're going to turn the focus of our series to uh, the thy will be done. Really, if you think about it, this whole kingdom series, the compass for it has been on those two phrases, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're making the turn to the your will be done portion. And as we make that um, turn Uh, I want to help make it by asking you a question. This is for the parents in the room. How many parents in the room have had the privilege and opportunity of parenting a strong-willed child? Raise your hand. Look look around. Keep your hands up. Look around the room. Uh, Pretty common, isn't it? It makes me feel good because we were the only ones. Um, So for those parents who have raised strong-willed child or are raising strong-willed children, um, give me some of the adjectives that might describe your experience. Exhausting. Exhausting. (laughs) What what did I hear up here? Frustrating. Frustrating. Aggravating. Aggravating. Mysterious. Mysterious. (laughs) That's my wife talking about her son. Somebody else, what are the, what are, what's, been your, what's been your experience in raising a strong-willed child? What are some of the emotions that it, that it, that it developed in you? Anger. Anger. Yeah. All of these are very w- real. So um, we have a, a strong-willed child. Um, his name is Zach. He was our second born. And we've often said, God is a great planner because if Zach had have been born first, Adam, our oldest, may have never have made it into the world. 
right? Because it was exhausting. It was mysterious in working out how to parent this strong-willed child. There was constantly a battle of the wills. Um, it was Zach's will against my will. It was Zach's will against Cammie's will. I have so many stories I could tell, but this is the one that I'll tell. Um, Zach was so strong-willed that Cammie said, we, we need help. And so she found the book Boundaries with Kids. And she started reading it. And Zach, our strong-willed child, did he, he knew something was changing in our house. Suddenly, one day, Cammie couldn't find the book. <laughs> Guess which strong-willed child took the book and hid it? I'm telling the truth. He, he, he hid it. I remember. Hid it in the dog food. We don't make these stories up. But not only did he hide it once, he hid it twice. This kid was a strong-willed kid. And so it was constantly a battle of the will. Let me ask this. How many of you uh, adults in the room would confess that you were a strong-willed child that your parents had to raise? Raise your hand. Uh, there are not as many hands go up. You're more willing to admit about your kids than yourself. Let me ask that question just a little bit differently. How many of you might be willing to say, I'm one of God's strong-willed kids? I'm one of God's strong-willed kids. In other words, you, you would be willing to admit that in your life, there's a battle of the wills that too often occurs. That you find yourself, um, it's a battle of your will, against God's will. I, I think that this is a challenge that probably most of us have to deal with. It, we need help in, in, in overcoming this problem. The, the, the problem is we don't have a power within ourselves to help ourselves. Let's say that again. We, we don't have a personal power in ourselves to help ourselves. It's, it's just, it's this battle because we're saying, not your will, but, but my will be done. And we may not say it that way, but sometimes our actions and our attitudes uh, just, just bring this to light. And listen, maybe this is, if you walk away with nothing else today, this, this is, this is part of the whole message today is, is about the solution to this problem and that we don't have a power within ourselves. I brought, I'm, I'm a, how many visual learners in the room? You like illustrations? I, I'm a visual learner, so I thought some of you would be. And so I bought a couple of things today, or brought a couple of things that I thought might help this. Um, some great inventions. This is just a little portable uh, blower that we have. We just thought this is just one of the greatest inventions. It's not too heavy. It's, you know, and, and we use it to, to blow off our patio, to blow off our front porch, blow out our garage, blow out our, 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 off our driveway. And, it, and it's great. It's got superpower. But it's only good. Right. Without the power source, it's no good. Sometimes I'll go out into the garage and I'll take it off the hook and maybe the battery's drained out or, and I don't recognize but the battery's not in it. Guess what? I'm not going to be able to use it. But when I, let me turn it off, when I plug it into the power source, it's great. It's good to go. Um, I brought one more. Um, 
this was a Christmas gift from my strong-willed child, uh, 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 Zach. Uh, he gave me this craftsman's drill, and, and it's great. It, it, it's battery-powered. It, you know, it, it, and I, I used it just the other day to, to put up a, 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 a mount for a flagpole. Um, but it's the same thing uh, if the... Have you ever gone out to use your, your drill, your power drill, and the battery's not charged? It's like, now I gotta wait till, till it charges. Or uh, you, you pick it up and you realize it, it's not gonna work until I do this. But once it's plugged into the power source, then it works. And that's really, listen, that's the whole emphasis of the message today. We don't have a power within ourselves to take care of this strong-willed child problem that happens between us and God. But we do have a power source that's beyond ourselves. We've been given the, the power of the Holy Spirit that's greater than us. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit and His kingdom citizens. We have this help. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us to enable us and to empower us to represent God's kingdom here on earth. Remember, the whole series is about we are representatives of God's kingdom. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we become kingdom citizens. And so we're to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And we, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. And we do have have that power. Uh, Jesus made a promise to the disciples uh, uh, after the Passover meal and before Jesus was betrayed by Judas in the garden, he made a promise to the disciples. It was a promise of the Holy Spirit. I want to read about that promise. Uh, I'm going to read first from uh, John chapter uh, 14, where you turned. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16, 15 through 17. Um, here's the promise from Jesus. If you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Listen to this. For he lives with you and will be in you. So there's the promise. He, he's, he's promising the, the, the disciples, I'm going to leave but you're not going to be powerless. Powerless. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. I'm promising you that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then uh, in Acts chapter 1, you could turn there. It just should be a few pages over. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Uh, Jesus again speaking. On, the, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then we look in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus made good on his promise. And he made good on his promise at Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given and the, the, the disciples were supernaturally empowered to live as kingdom, citizens, as kingdom citizens and to do what Jesus had been doing. 
And it happened on the day of Pentecost. You may remember this when we did the Holy Spirit series uh, about, it was late February and throughout the month of March. And we talked about Pentecost one day. We said Pentecost, the day of Pentecost occurred 50 days after the resurrection. 50 days. So Jesus was resurrected. 50 days later, it was the day of Pentecost. Uh, and it happened during the, the, the feast of Pentecost. And so that's, that, that's when the Holy Spirit, uh, the promise was fulfilled. Well, uh, this year, uh, Resurrection Sunday was on April 4th. Guess what? Today is 50 days later. So this is actually Pentecost Sunday. So it would only seem right that we would take time to consider the, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and here's why. Remember when Peter preached this great message on the day of Pentecost? I mean, it was this spirit-filled message because he was transformed. And we're going to talk about Peter in, in just a little bit. But at, uh, at the end of that message, he said this, this promise is for you and your children and to those who are far off, and as to as many as the Lord our God will call. Which that means is uh, it didn't have any generational limits, and it didn't have any dispensational limits. But Peter was saying, this is going to come generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. So what happened on the day of Pentecost still happens today. This power, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to all Christ followers through the fullness of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to effectively live as kingdom citizens. As kingdom citizens, we have access to kingdom power. We have access to the power that we need that we don't have within ourselves. Um, originally, this message today was actually intended to be uh, part six of the five weeks of the Holy Spirit message. But as we began to think about it, just counting ahead, looking ahead to Pentecost Sunday, we said, let's hold this message. Let's hold, let's pull it out and let's save it. And on, the, on Pentecost Sunday, let's focus again on the Holy Spirit. And so I guess in one sense you could say, um, because we spent five weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, that this is kind of a refresher, a reminder. But I wouldn't want to limit it to that. I want to tell you something uh, a conviction that I have uh, because I so strongly know that what Peter said is true, that this is for you and your children and to those who are far off, in as many as the Lord God will call, that I think it's great that we spent five weeks as a church talking about the Holy Spirit. We really, we, we tried to dig in and as much as you could, you, you, there's always limitations. I have about 30 minutes with you every week. And so as much as we could, but we spent five weeks focusing on the Holy Spirit, just having some, some real honest talk about what the Word says. And as thankful as I am for that five weeks, it's not enough. It, it's, it's not enough. Because if what happened on the day of Pentecost continues to happen today, then we need to know about it. We need to be reminded of it. And so for me, as your pastor, doing a series like that's not a one and done. It's not that I'll do another series on the Holy Spirit this year, but you're going to hear me weave talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in messages throughout the year. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I hope that's not offensive to anybody. It's here. 
And it's the only way we can function is if we're functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, on this day, uh, Pentecost Sunday, we want to take some time and we want to uh, focus on the power of the Holy Spirit at work uh, in the ministry and life of, of Jesus. And we want to take a little bit of time to, to focus on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the ministry and life of the early church. And then we also want to just say, how does this all apply to us, the, the work, power and work of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives? And so um, with that, the first thing that I want to do is I want us to um, uh, look to the New Testament and what does the New Testament tell us about the power of the Holy Spirit in the life and the ministry of Jesus? And there are four things. There are many things I could bring out, but there are four things that I would bring out today. And the first has to do with surrender. Uh, and here's the point. Jesus voluntarily surrendered his divine power. Think about that. Jesus voluntarily surrendered his divine power as God so that he could be fully man. I want to read to you. You could turn there if you want to, but it's going to come up on the screens. Uh, Philippians um, <clears throat> chapter 2. I want to read about four or five verses to you. Uh, in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Um, let me tell you what stands out in those verses to me. The fact that this, those verses tell us that, that Jesus was by very nature God. So think about it. He was, he was part of the, tr the Trinity, the triune God. He was, he was fully God. Yet the passage says that he willingly emptied himself of his divine nature. He said, it says he emptied himself of his divine nature. He didn't view equality with God or being in very nature God. He did not view that as a power that he could take and use for his own advantage. But instead, he willingly surrendered that divine power and took on the form of a servant. And he served you and I on the cross by taking our place so that we could be reconciled to God. This is, this, is, this is the man who was fully God. And now he's fully God, fully man, but he's emptied himself of his divine power. In other words, there was no power struggle between Jesus and the Father. He, he surrendered the power struggle. And it was because he was fully surrendered that he positioned himself to be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean for us? How do we take that and how do we apply it? Well, for us as kingdom citizens, being filled with the Spirit is a result of our willingness to surrender our power struggle with God. We have to be willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. And then we have to be willing to surrender any perceived power 
that we might think we have. And then we have to be willing to surrender anything that we hold tightly on to so that we can use it for our own advantage. We have to be willing to let those things go. It's about surrender. And it's a result of our willingness to surrender our will so that God's kingdom will can flow through our lives and we can be effective as citizens of the kingdom here on earth, bringing the kingdom down. So when we look at Jesus, whom we are to become like, we see that he, he, was, he was a man of surrender. And then when we look further, that surrender made way for his empowerment. Jesus, he emptied himself, but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out his earthly ministry. He wasn't powerless, but now he's completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 3 and a little bit of 4. Um, in Luke chapter 3, listen, beginning in verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I am well pleased. So if we look back at Philippians, he emptied himself of his divine power. But now what we see in Luke is he's a man, fully man, and he's emptied himself. So he's positioned himself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this marked his ministry. If you look in chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So now, as he's going out into his public ministry, there's something about him. There's the power of the Holy Spirit at work, and people are, not, are, are recognizing it, and people are drawn to him because of this power. So, what does that mean for us? I mean, when we think about it, Jesus, who was fully God, emptied himself and became fully man, and he was completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. For us as kingdom citizens, it means that we've been called to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth through the lives we live, through the, the attitudes that we have, and we have to be completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to do that. There's no other way. We, don't, we really don't have a power in ourselves. Um, as, a result, as a result, as the Holy Spirit worked in and through the life of Jesus, he also created a sense of supernatural anticipation. He declared that his followers would do supernatural works, even as he did, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen as I read from John uh, chapter 14 again. I promise I'll get there. Um, in verse 12, it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, he was speaking to the disciples because he was preparing them to his death, but it wasn't limited to the disciples. What, what Jesus said here, actually, it, it, it's true, true for us. He's saying, uh, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you can expect the supernatural to flow. He, he planted anticipation that uh, you, you can expect. So, so they, were, they were surrendered, they were filled, 
And then we know as we read out throughout the New Testament that, that the, the disciples went about the apostles doing supernatural work. So what does that mean for you and I? It means that it applies to us as kingdom citizens. We are called to bring the power, the supernatural power of the kingdom of God into our world to make a different kind of world, a kingdom kind of world. But it also means that as as those who have received Jesus as Savior and who are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, that we, we would believe, we would actually believe that what Jesus said applies to us and that we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the finished work of the cross to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So that we could, I could lay hands on Jesse as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit and I could say, this sickness that's in Jesse's body, I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Sickness, you do not have any right to be in this body. I declare that you were defeated at the cross by the stripes of Jesus, by the finished work of Jesus, and I speak healing in Jesus' name. And I happen to know that Jesse's having a hard morning. So this is not an example prayer. This is a prayer of faith right now, believing that God is working in her body, healing her. But you don't have to be a pastor to do that. This is for kingdom citizens. And listen, oftentimes it's just about catching the opportunity. When Jesse came in this morning, I hope you're okay with me sharing this. When Jesse came in this morning, I said, how are you doing, Jesse? And she said, it's been a rough morning. And my first response was, oh, I'm so sorry. And she took a couple of steps. Carol McCall was there and I said, Carol, let's pray for Jesse right now. If I don't pray for her, she can't experience the supernatural healing power of Jesus Christ in her body. But if I stop and I listen, the results aren't up to me. I'm just supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to be obedient. God takes care of it. But what I know is that the cross of Calvary, there was a finished work. The work of healing was taken care of. And I don't know how Jesus works it out. I don't know how the Father works it out. I know that sometimes it's immediate and sometimes he works through doctors and sometimes he works through medication, but I know that he has the power to heal. So today I'm believing that, Jesse, you're through the power of Jesus are going to experience a quickening in your body, that you're going to be whole and that everything is going to come into alignment because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the finished work of Jesus you receive that. Can we just thank God for that right now? Thank you. Thank you. We have to live with a sense of anticipation. That sense of anticipation must be uh, living in us. But not only did Jesus create a sense of anticipation, but he positioned his followers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus directed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which would empower them to live as kingdom citizens. I'm going to read one more time from you from Luke chapter 24 um, in verse 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city and wait till you have been clothed with power on high. So, so what do we know? Jesus gave this instruction, and, and what do we know? We know that they were obedient. They went, they waited, and they were filled with the Spirit. 
they experienced the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. So what, what, what does that mean for us? It, it means that we have to continually position ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God. How does that happen? Well, let's say it again. We have to surrender our power struggle. We have to let go of any perceived power. We have to recognize that we are in desperate need of the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Uh, we have to anticipate and believe that God wants the supernatural working in us through the Spirit. And then we have to position ourselves. We have to be willing to ask and wait and, and receive the fullest expression of the Holy Spirit. So that's the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Jesus. So I want to talk just briefly about the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. And because we spent a great deal of time on this in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit series, I just want to kind of summarize by saying the disciples were radically transformed in a moment of time. On the day of Pentecost, that, that group that were gathered in the upper room, they were radically transformed in a moment of time. And I think, to me, one of the greatest examples of this is Peter. So Peter has often been described as the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth, meaning he was just kind of good at saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. How many of you have been watching uh, the, the, the Chosen? Anybody been watching the, the series The Chosen? If you haven't, listen, there's an app called VidAngel. And if you go, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a series of um, episodes that where they've, they've, they're following the life of Jesus. And it's, it's the most incredible portrayal. It, it, it's just every, anyone I've talked to, so I, I've never seen anything like this. But the way Peter is betrayed is, is very, very real. P Peter was um, kind of known to be harsh and brash. Peter was also very enthusiastic. Uh, he would be the first in, but he would also be the first out. He, he wasn't really good on follow through. But it's this Peter who would be described in all of those ways. This is the same man who on the day of Pentecost, after being filled with the Spirit, stood up and addressed a crowd of more than 3,000 people. And he preached this, this, this sermon that was so powerful that it says that it cut to their hearts and they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be saved. And that day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 salvations in one day because a man was transformed in the moment of time by the power of the Holy Spirit and he preached under that anointing. And then when we read about all the disciples throughout the New Testament, we see that this was a reality that they were transformed in a moment of time. Uh, as they lived 
uh, their lives out. They became very bold in their faith. They didn't hide out any longer. And their voices became very public as they told the story of Jesus. In um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 43, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They lived in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And they changed the culture that they were living in. They were experiencing a new dimension of power in their lives because of the Holy Spirit. In reality, it's the first time they'd ever experienced real power. What does that mean for us as kingdom citizens? What's the takeaway? Three things. First, it's very obvious that Jesus emphasized the importance of living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a non-negotiable. We must be completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the promise of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the power he brings is for everyone who's saved. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'll talk about this in a minute. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. I'm going to talk about that just at the end of the message. Uh, um, uh, what happened on the day of Pentecost still happens today. I said it earlier, there were no generational limitations. There's no dispensational limitations. And third, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is available for all believers who are willing to surrender, to ask, and to receive. To surrender, to ask, and receive. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. That tells me it's ours for the asking. Surrender and asking. Surrender and asking. So I want to go back to something I said. I, I, because I want you to really know the point I'm making today. When we come into relationship with Jesus. Remember Jesus said I'm going to go away. But the Holy Spirit's going to come. And as we're under, when we understand that. Jesus is saying as fully man. I can only be in one place at one time. Because remember, he emptied himself of his power. But he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and the Holy Spirit's going to live inside of you. So when we come into relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence in us. And so at that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit. And also, here's what I want you to know. When you do a thorough study of the book of Acts, you will find multiple occasions where those who had already entered into that relationship, being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, there was a subsequent experience where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Spirit. And there were evidences of that. And so today, I'm saying, if you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And I want to say today, too, that as we surrender ourselves as we empty ourselves of the power struggle, as we empty ourselves and surrender to God and say, not my will, but your will, we are positioning ourselves for a fullness of the Holy Spirit because we're making way. 
and we often refer to it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness. You call it whatever you want to, but I want to say that there's always more of the Holy Spirit that's available to us. And so today, here's, here's my encouragement. Here's my invitation. I'm really not asking much of you today except that you here today would make up an agreement with God that you're willing to surrender your strong-willed nature, if that's true of you, and that you will surrender to all He has for you, and you'll say, I want more of your Spirit. I want to be filled with, I want to be overflowing with your Spirit. I want to be immersed, I want to be baptized in your Spirit. And that as you go through this week in your prayer times, that you would just say, God, I ask, I'm willing, I receive. I want all of your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And we read right here, it's ours for the asking. The Father will give us that gift. And so, listen, I know the Lord has spoken this to me very clearly that we are entering a new season, a new dimension as a Church Grace Covenant and our campus here. That there is a um, there is a a new season of experiencing the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit that we've not known before. I hope that's not scary to anyone because it's 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 supernaturally natural. It it, it doesn't have to be weird. I'm just saying that we would we would live in this power that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. That that we could speak to a situation through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the finished work of the cross, there would be a change because we just live that. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.